0: What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel. I'm Hillary. And I'm Clinton. And we got... Hillary with glasses. We've never seen you in this podcast with glasses. Hillary
1: with glasses, no makeup, and very tired from partying with Carl Wolf. I don't recommend three parties in one week, but very. this is why I moved back to Toronto. So it, I fits. Guess it's fine. it
2: fits. It yeah. fits the whole mantra of how Hillary's getting old. It's three parties in a week. You can <laughs> Put on the glasses to do the
1: show so you can see the screen. You go, yeah, it it still, happens. It happens. I don't, I don't think I can still see the screen. I feel like there's, <laughs> there's still two of you anyway. I slept till 6 p.m. Um, but that's life happy that's to what be happens here.
0: that's what happens when you're in your twenties so definitely <laughs> that that's that's the good thing about yeah, it i can sure. i I cannot do that as much anymore mm-hmm. all right, so <laughs> we're gonna start with uh, with a quite a topic that we've been it's been around for weeks uh and because we had guests and we had previously shows, we didn't talk about it, but it's been uh, a lot of people uh in our Facebook page messaged us and you know told us that we need to talk about it. Uh we ourselves uh talked about it uh a couple of many times. times many times yeah, yeah many times we we talked about it uh to see what would the best in fact I think we got like way too much information personally I got way much information that I kind of wanted. Uh but in Moncton um this was in November. Uh or early October, I think it was. Um, It happened
2: in January. January? But um, I guess the story really started circulating in the middle of November. Mid
0: November, yeah. In in January, uh, there was this uh, Black girl um, in her 20s, uh, I would say early 20s. Uh, There was a disturbance call at her place and she was uh, heavily intoxicated. Uh, the police went in and apparently the person started fighting with the cop. Uh, that's what uh, this is allegedly with the, with the, what the Telegraph Journal says. So we're, we're talking about this of the Telegraph Journal. And there's the what we know about Facebook, uh, which is what the, the post on Facebook that kind of got into us. Uh, so there was a disturbance call. The policemen got there. Uh, apparently, the girl started swinging at the policeman. The policeman tried to uh, contain her with some type of headlock or some type of maneuver uh, that apparently got uh, the thing got altercated. And, you know, what we see from the pictures of uh, this girl says she got uh, bruised. She has a uh, heavily bruised uh, with that. She got arrested and she basically uh, in November got the trial and she pleaded guilty uh, for apparently... The Telegraph Journal says that she was trying to call her boyfriend and she got angry about that. That's what the newspaper says. Um, so that's a, an escape, like in a, in a condense of the story. Uh, there is a little bit more to it, uh, but I feel like we we had to kind of dig in a little bit more to see because I personally, there was a, one the, once the Facebook post started going, uh, there was a couple of things that didn't add up. Now in this Facebook post, if you can find it, uh, you see that the girl uh, has the bruises and there's like, she's in the police station. That's what we can tell. She's in the police station. Uh, I'm not sure how those images got there. There's a picture of the officer as well. Um, and they are saying that, you know, that this was uh, because she was a black girl, police brutality. Uh, for me, the best the thing that didn't kind of add up is that they didn't. there wasn't any names. There wasn't the name of the officer and there wasn't the name of the person. So that for me kind of was a red flag. I was like, hmm, something's up here. Let me just try to research. Uh Hillary came up with the article in The Telegraph Journal. Uh we read it. Uh, we had a couple of discussions there. Uh, I actually got in contact with somebody close to that person and to kind of get the full story, and I got a, a, a bit more of this story. Uh, but the question here, uh, and I guess we all have different opinions about it. Uh Let's start with Hillary. Hillary, you have a personal opinion about this. So, what's your take?
1: Well, I guess I'll also share that, like the person, one, one of the people who reached out to us sort of, I, I think what encapul- encapsulates the problem more is this was a it's a black French speaking man of the same community who essentially was talking about the situation from what they had read on Facebook and saying in French that they felt that they shouldn't while living in Moncton be fearing for their life Um, and they they made a Facebook live and then also sent it to us so I feel like that's okay to share Um, and, and my opinion as like a woman who has been that age, who has maybe been as intoxicated as this person is reported being, I don't know that it... um at any point that's a correct amount of force to be using on somebody. Um, I know we've heard like different reports about like whether like this person was easily subdued or not, if there was a struggle or not. And I sort of think that that's besides the point to have bruises on somebody's face, because I don't know why you're trying to subdue someone by hitting them in the face. Um, And if that is any part of the truth, then I think that that's not okay. But I also think if people thought that this person was unwell, We should have other people to call than the police, because as we've seen before with Chantal Moore and in other cases, the cops don't help when there's a mental wellness check. They do more harm than good because I don't know that they are properly trained to do that or to approach people in as empathetic as a way that they might need. Um, So that's my take. I just feel like it seems like something like shady went down. I just don't like how it seems like this person was essentially manhandled to get to the police station. And that seems to me extremely unfortunate. I think that there's better ways to approach somebody, even if they're in the wrong and they've committed a crime I've committed crimes. I didn't end up hitting the face when people, you know, approached me and handled the situation. And that's where I have a problem with the whole ordeal.
0: Clinton, what's your take on it? Well, we all
2: read the story in the Times and transcript, and you know I think we all f- feel that in a lot of news stories that we hear from other cities, uh, sometimes the media doesn't always portray the stories completely accurate. Uh, and I think one of the big complaints is the way the story was twisted uh, to make the the person feel uh, seem like a like a, a psychotic violent offender. Um, so there definitely was an incident that took place, and. I will say that I believe that if someone breaks the law and is caught, um, there should be, in most cases, some sort of a charge applied or a penalty to be faced. However, I do think that the charge needs to be um, equally distributed among people, regardless of their culture, race, or background. Um, We did hear stories of a person being intoxicated, and that may very well be true. But I would say that her face was more than just a little bit bruised up, I would say that it, it did appear to be beaten. Um, some of those injuries may have been a result of, of not from the police officer, but other ones likely could have been. Um, from what I've been told, the person is a very small person, and while it probably is harder to subdue a grown adult uh, than a lot of people imagine, it seems like there was some violence that took place. Um, In an event where someone is arrested like that, I also wonder why the media, you know, made such a, it was like, people are arrested every day. Uh, Usually like big crime is reported, but people are arrested on St. George Street every day, uh, downtown for causing disturbances, for yelling at police officers. I I wonder why this made the news. Um, I feel like it was because it was a black person and the intent was to maybe partially shame and fear in Black people. I also fear that putting that kind of fear by promoting that in the news uh, solidifies certain people's negative stereotypes about Black people. I also think it kind of broadens the divide between the trust that should be there uh, in a a good society between police and Black people. So I didn't really see the point of that. Um, I've heard reports that while the person pleaded guilty, um, that they didn't afterwards agree with that and that they're now coming out and saying that things didn't go down exactly how it was indicated. And in fact, she was heavily pressured by her lawyer to plead guilty so that um, because she was told there was no way she would be able to get a fair trial or have a just accounting for what happened. So just to plead guilty and shut up and accept the penalty and move on. So it's hard to say. None of us were there, but just because she pleaded guilty. We, we do know that quite often in history, black people have been persuaded to plead guilty out of a fear that they would get a worse punishment if they pleaded not guilty and had to go through trial. Um, and I do fear that this is one of those cases. Um, in Nova Scotia, they recently passed a law that said that you know, when certain people of certain backgrounds are being tried, the past has to be taken into consideration. Uh, now, this is, Common knowledge, the article did state that this person was a refugee from a war-torn country uh, who was probably suffering extreme trauma and extreme PTSD, and um, I believe lost her father as a child, I believe violently. I Don't quote me if I'm wrong, um, and is now living in Canada. Um, cases like this, I understand that in not all cases when a police officer is called um, are they going to know what they're walking into if there was a call for a mental health check i think we've all agreed already that there should be a mental health professional dispatched with the police officer in a case like this where i don't think the call came from inside the house but just a disturbance call was made i think a big lesson that continues to need to be learned from situations like this is as soon as an officer gets on the scene and uh I wish we're trained to maybe determine what is just a drunken rage or a a domestic dispute versus what may be PTSD uh, or a mental health issue. I think there I think every station should have quite often multiple police units will show up to a disturbance. So I think if a police officer got there really quickly, made an assessment that, you know, the situation seemed like it required additional expertise that a mental health professional could be on call to be called out there to come into the house and try to, if the person needed to be arrested, that's fine, but at least make an attempt to de-escalate the situation so that the person could be taken into custody without violent methods being taken. Um, it's it, This story, my last thought is this story really kind of parallels what we heard about Chantal Moore up, up north and this woman is still alive, and that is fantastic. Um, however, had this woman, um, she had a cell phone in her hand, sure, had she picked up a glass, uh, a butter knife, something else, I, I fear that this woman's life may have ended that night. Um, and those are real issues that need to be continued to be discussed all across the country, is that when, when is it okay for just a police officer to be on scene, and when do they need to call in additional help to, yes, potentially arrest someone, but do it in a, in a less violent way?
0: I personally will say that I mean definitely uh I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if we if we say if we said that that she uh she hit the officer hitting an officer is never a good idea <laughs> like never a good idea to swing at an officer uh at a police officer so I I'll take the, the first thing on that um I do agree
2: I agree. That- I, yeah sorry I just I want to hear your thought I, I agree that's what I was saying when I started if if someone breaks the law if someone <laughs> tries to punch a police officer i think they should be arrested and i think they should go to court and i think they there should be a punishment for that
0: yeah i i, I well. definitely think that that was a bad idea uh, that no you never should do that and unfortunately this lady did commit a crime um now i do agree that there needs to be better systems when it comes to to police maneuvering um definitely i think that's something that i don't think us, but everybody has been saying this, like mental health issues and different things. I, I think the cops get called for way too many things that they're not qualified for, uh, like a noise disturbance. I, I don't really see why a police officer will be gets called on that. I don't see why a police officer gets called on uh, a jaywalking. You could like, for example, there's places in like the UK that uh, there's cops that don't have guns. Right. They don't have to have batons. Uh, for things like that, right? Like you could not be heavily armed. I, I still think that uh, cops could shoot something like rubber bullets. They should have things that just to common situation now. Because again, you don't. Again, it's hard to say a cop doesn't know what they're getting into. Uh, and also, there is there are other maneuvers that the I feel like they should get. I my concern at this point, and this is the the thing that I will say. My concern is that people of color get into this rabbit hole of a system once they commit a crime. Uh, once you commit a crime, and I don't know if you guys know what how the Canadian system is, it's kind of similar to the American system. Uh, once you commit a crime or a felony depending, uh, fortunately for this girl, she'll be able to clean this out within a year. Uh, it's it's She's going to get this cleaned out and that's not going to ruin her life. Uh, now, uh, if she gets in this rabble-hovel of a system, then she gets into what's felonies and records and stuff like that. And then it comes that you can't get a job, you can't go to a country, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, and it, it just becomes uh, something that nobody wants in their lives, and especially for a young person. Uh, I will say, as a person of color in New Brunswick, I do encourage other people of color to take care of your significant other or take care of the other person, just because the fact that the system is not made for people of color. Uh, the system's really not made for us. Uh, the system is not an advantage to you. And definitely when you get into this rabbit hole of criminal activity or anything that's going on felony, it goes really, really bad, especially when you're a person of color, right? Uh, if you look at the system of the jails, the jails are more filled. It's like 90, 80% indigenous and black people of color and 10% white, which if you look at the population is heavily disproportionate. Uh, I do feel that this person needs all the help they can get. I, I feel like the system needs to help her, and the system won't do it. It definitely won't help her to get where she needs to be. Uh, my concern is that hopefully this person does not get into this rabbit hole of uh, having problems with the law, because I feel like the law is not going to be uh Good to this person. It's just not going to. It's not going to be for people of color. Uh, should it be that way? Of course not. That's why we have this podcast, right? Uh, but we definitely want to encourage people to, to, you know, to make sure that you're doing the right thing and that you understand that the system as a person of color, uh, once it changes, who knows when that's going to be. And hopefully it does sooner than later. Uh, we can get to a place that it's not that way. But right now, the reality is that it is. And we need to make sure that people that have these type of issues can get the, the help that they need. So we're going to go to that. So we're going to wrap that up and we're going to go with uh, Hillary. You have another topic that it's also about racism. Wow. That's a, uh...
1: We tend to talk shame. about that a lot on this podcast, racism. It might be a theme. Um, so, uh, CBC reported that a Halifax goalie age 16, um, was faced with racial slurs at a hockey tournament in PEI. This is not the first time that this happens to the 16 year old boy. Um, so his name is Mark Connors. He was called the N word and told that hockey is a white man's sport during a tournament held on November 18th to the 21st. Um, on the island um they, some of the younger kids in the stands were calling me a racial slur. One guy said, Halifax has a nigger for a goalie, said Connors. In the third period, they kept saying nigger, nigger, nigger. Um, and so then they also touched on the fact that this is not the first time that this has happened to him. Um, it also happened in 2017-2018 hockey season when he was then 12 years old. Um, the player who called him the N-word during that altercation was suspended for 45 games. Games when he began serving at the start of the next minor hockey season, um, they've also reported that hockey PI will have a third party to investigate the alleged racist incident at the game in Charlottetown. Um, And the PEI premier contacted the family. Wayne Connors wrote a letter to Cameron outlining, um, sorry, the dad wrote a letter uh, outlining what happened to his son. And then the premier did contact apologizing, saying that, like, they essentially they don't want the province to be labeled as a racist place where these things are tolerated and can happen. However, not only do we know that these things happen now twice to the same boy, um, but we also know that this happens often in hockey. Um, Clinton, what do you think? think about this
2: Um, I think overall it's so sad uh, because it is so rare that in hockey that you even have a person of color playing Uh, hockey is definitely a very expensive sport to get into uh, an expensive sport to maintain Um, traditionally a pretty closed sport only certain kinds of families uh, that you typically see in this sport and so when a black kid is is Lucky or privileged enough to enter such a great and competitive sport, um, it would be so much nicer if they were just met with kindness and, uh, you know, embracement and love, like in other sports. Um, black people were kept out of many other sports for so many years, including basketball, because of a belief that Black people weren't smart enough to understand the game and that they wouldn't be good at it. Um, there are more hockey players in hockey and in Atlantic Canada that are Black nowadays, uh, but they're still few and far between. Uh, and it must be really hard for them in general to just play a game they love, feel accepted and stuff like that. Uh, I don't have references, but I, I've heard of many stories of, of racism within hockey. And again, like I was saying, I think last week about, oh, and my CBC thing about bullying, how the kids might be bullies, but keep the racism out of it. Um, hockey guys, sports guys. Yeah. They shit on each other a lot. They, they play around, but when you enter racism into it, it's a different category. And I hope that the PEI would um, investigate that situation. I, I know there were some uh, NHL players from Atlantic Canada that made comments on that situation in the past week. Um, My heart goes out to this kid who had the bravery to move forward, because I imagine he's going to continue to play hockey. I really hope that in stories like this, I think back in the day when people used to come forward, it would make life worse for them. I hope that um, I don't I can't remember his name, but I hope that this young man coming forward uh, helps to affect change and sort of helps to carve a pathway for people in the future where. It's not like where it's not like what we heard from that teacher in pedicodiac where, you know, it's okay to hate Black people. Um, just don't call them an word to their face and stuff like that. I hope that it really <laughs> makes people, um, if they don't change their mentalities, at least, I'm going to say something crazy. If it doesn't make them change their mentalities, at least like, not be such assholes. <laughs> not be such <laughs> assholes to these young people trying to play sports. Um, Hockey is a great game. It's a great Canadian game. And for a black Canadian to be playing it is pretty amazing. And mm-hmm. I, I hope something, I really hope something is done about this.
1: Um, before we go to Fidel, I will say P.K. Subban tweeted, when does it stop? Believe it or not, these stories are sent to me every day. This is happening every day in our game, every day. Leave your comments and support for Mark below. Hang in there. We got you. So, you know, people are rallying around and saying, like, this isn't this is new and this isn't going to change. And hopefully something can be done um, about this. Fidel, what's your take?
0: I mean, I am not surprised, I guess. I think people forget that Michael Subban, P.K. Subban's brother, uh, when they were at the juniors final, he was the goalie, and he—it uh, was a shootout, and he lost, and he got called the n-word so many times that they had to even block it in TSN. Uh, PK Subban has said many times how much he had to deal with racism. Uh, many hockey players in the NHL—no, we're not talking like the minors. The NHL—they have faced racism. Uh, if you look at places like soccer uh if you get mario bellatelli which was part of the italian uh of the italian but he was the only black player in italy and he faced a bunch of racism for for his uh, contribution in the italian team um again white-led sports uh are racist (laughs) i i can't i mean i can't tell you anything different it is it is what it is uh Formula One, Lewis Hamilton, he's the only Black man there, and he has said that he has been facing racism his whole life. Uh, If you go to places, you know, like any white sport, uh, if you look at 43, which is a movie about Jackie Robinson, he faced racism in baseball. Uh, If you look at race, which is another about the Olympic in the Nazi era, he faced racism in sprinting. Again, I don't, think there's any sport that a black man has actually tried to be the first that has not have filled with racism any white-led sport it is racism there's going to be racism uh it is sad it is it is you know it, it is disgusting but it's it's the fact i mean and i seen this junior hockey things parents when their kids are playing sport they the evil comes out of them and they like, even referees get it. Like it is, it is like, it's nasty. And, and again, and I'm, I myself, I say, this is just a sport, like chill out. This is entertainment. I mean, they're athletes. They, they, they yeah, it, it is something great that your kids are doing, but calm the fuck down. Like the referee has no issue with you. Why are you going to curse him out or or do something like that? But I mean, <laughs> we forget that these sports are these all the white led sports are racist people. Like, what do you think? You think that they like, I never seen a sport professional sport, uh, that is on, unless there's black people on it first, that people being like, Oh, you guys are all welcome. Hey, here you go. Let's go. Amazing. No, that that has never happened in the history of no professional sports ever. Uh, I feel bad for this kid again, keep playing hockey. Unfortunately, this is something you're gonna to have to deal with, uh, report them, call them out, uh, do what you need to do if you really love this sports. But unfortunately, uh, I mean, the NHL has this issue for God's sakes, the NHL, which is the the, the pinnacle of what hockey is. Uh, do we expect any better from the other leagues, for the lower leagues? Like, it's, it's sad, but it, it's something that, again, We need to change that. And I'm not a hockey guy, but I think everybody needs to do their part and call out people who do do these things and be called out publicly in order for this to stop, because that's the only way it's going to stop. I
1: think... I think for me, that was my bigger issue reading this story. Like I've never been, I don't know if you can tell by the everything about me, but not a sporty girl. Um, Like the most I did was cheerleading when I was like younger, never any sports, certainly not something like hockey and wasn't around my brothers when they were playing soccer. So I don't know what those experiences are like. What I was really taken aback by was the age, especially considering, I feel like we're hearing a lot of stories lately about different issues involving racism and intense bullying in other schools, the teacher in Pettacodiak, um, a story about, you know, like basically a 40 versus one mob at Fredericton High School and the teacher who reported on that potentially getting suspended or fired forever posting on Facebook about it. And for me, it's like as much as much as it's a race issue, I'm just so surprised that we keep saying, you know, we're teaching the younger generation to be better, to be more mindful, like they wanted to uptake social justice and use social media for the betterment of society. And then I feel like everywhere I've turned in the last three weeks, it's been the complete opposite where you've got like racial slurs abound in in sports, on social media, in private conversations, and adults who are supposed to be examples letting this shit fucking fly. And I I think that's where, for me, like I'm not surprised that a a white-led sport has racism. I think I was just really saddened by their age, by the fact that it's kids, by the fact that like the coaches and team members and parents aren't doing shit to make any kind of change or make any of these situations better. And I think that's where for me, I was more taken aback reading the story. And I think it's really sad. You should be able to have any extracurricular play, any sport and not be told that it belongs to white people and that you don't belong. You absolutely do.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's the thing. I mean, again, Black people have to break the barriers, whereas white people have to do absolutely nothing. <laughs> like you just come in. Uh, I think uh, Chris Rock said said in, in a stand up special that uh, he lived in a place in New Jersey and his neighbors were J C, Mary J Blige, uh, and another, a baseball player, one of a Hall of Famer. So he said like, uh, and Eddie Murphy. So he said like, okay, my neighbors are there have five black neighbors, Eddie Murphy, one of the greatest comedians that ever leave Uh, the baseball player, uh, one of the greatest baseball players that ever lived, Mary J. Blige, one of the greatest singers that ever lived, Chris Rock, which is a great comedian and his neighbor, his actual neighbor, he's a dentist. He didn't make anything. He's not the best dentist. He's not the best in his category. He's just a dentist. He's saying like, that means I, the black man has to fly to, and the white man can just walk in like it's always been like that. Jackie Robinson had to be the best player to get into other people to get <laughs> into the baseball league. Uh in hockey, I mean, that's not the case because the first hockey player is a Frederick it's a Frederick born a Maritime uh he was an okay hockey player for his stats. Uh but again, and after him, not a whole lot of not a whole lot of black players have been there. So it's 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 all sports again. We see basketball and football now that is led by black players, but that wasn't the case 50 years ago. That was not the case. <laughs> like, like that was not the case at all. Now it's dominated by them, but that's not the case at all. Like they had to fight for this, and that—that's usually what black people have to do. And that's what we want people to understand: that black people have to fight for things and and get for things when pretty much a white person could just go in and it's like, oh, okay, it's it's a normal thing, right? And again, you don't see it because it doesn't affect you, but as a person of color, you live—you live through that most times of your life. So, go ahead, Quinton. Yeah.
2: Um, I agree with you. Um, I just found an article here from another um, former NHL player who also played for UPEI Panthers named Joel Ward, uh, and he said an interesting comment here. Uh, he said it brings back memories of him when he was playing in the, in the leagues in Atlantic Canada, and he said something that like rings true and relates to something I said earlier. Is he said, "I feel for this young man. And he's just playing, and that's just playing the game. And you got these other kids that are abusing him from behind. It's it's people should be ashamed of theirself. Uh But he says it brings back a lot of memories." Because um, a lot of people don't know what this young man is feeling on a day like today, where all of a sudden everyone's looking at him in a certain way and wondering how he's feeling and what he's doing, uh, and that it's horrifying to know that he has to suffer through this and then go back to school and pretend like nothing happened and keep a straight face. So it's a lot to shoulder. So again, I'm 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 pointing out his quote because it takes a lot of bravery to come forward about stuff like this. And when back in the day, he would absolutely be shamed or probably get in more trouble. Um, for doing something like this on a Colin Kaepernick level almost. Uh, I just hope that when he goes back to his life and goes back to hockey and goes back to school that he gets more support than hate and that something gets done about it. I know that you're not going to change all of white sports overnight, but I just hope it where he is among the teams he's with coaches, players, referees, the fat, the parents, the parents that are going to be screaming shit anyways. I hope that the racism against him at least decreases over time for his bravery to come forward.
0: And again, this is not, I will say, I will stress this. This is not just a maritime thing. If you go to any small town in Canada, whether it is in Ontario, whether it is in Manitoba, whether it is in Edmonton, whether it is in British Columbia, If you will see a black kid or an Asian kid or a Hindu kid or anything that's black or brown playing hockey, there's going to be racism. That is not something that we want, but that's what it is, uh, unfortunately. So, all right, we're going to cut this. uh, I think we're going to wrap this up. But before we do, we have some recommendations. Uh, We are trying this out that we're recommending things to people that we like. Uh, or that we think it might be interesting so we're going to start with hillary ladies first what do you recommend for this week
1: so mine also sort of shouts out the blog that i just wrote um but it's the book out of the sun on race and storytelling by essie edugian um it's such an interesting book, especially because of the conversation that we had with George Elliott Clark about erasure, because all she does as an author and a poet is looks at Black art and Black ghost stories and other Elements of history where Black people have been essentially erased, but were always there. So she describes, you know, how interesting it is that, like, ghost stories are told by white people for white people to keep white history alive. But what about the Black ghosts of slaves or, you know, Black royalty, etc.? And why isn't that a thing? Um, and then the whole first section is sort of more about Black artists and Black portraiture and how the slaves were depicted as, like, having fun in these pictures. And we all know that's not the case. Um, and so her sort of doing a deep dive into what the truth really is. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm about halfway. It's a really quick read, but it it like, I feel like not only is it a good book, but it's become almost a reference novel because I could Google probably, 10 of the names in the first half of this book and expand my knowledge as a Black person. And I think it's really great. Some of it's a little jarring and upsetting, but really, really good. So Out of the Sun on Race and Storytelling by Essie Edugian.
0: All right. Clinton, what do you got for us?
2: Well, cool. um, I just want to talk about a, a music app that I found recently that I think is really cool, uh, both for listeners and for artists. Um, it's a new app called Audius, and it's really cool because it's free. Uh, the music is super high quality, higher than you're going to get with, like, a Spotify. It's more on par with, like, Tidal and music services like that, but it's free. Um, and there's it's new, but there's already a lot of artists on it, um, like Lil Wayne, Skrillex, Weezer, Deadmau5, Diplo, Odessa. And it's just, like... Uh, Something that we used to talk about a lot is the narrative of Spotify and how, if you're an artist, you know throughout the industry that Spotify pays their artists nothing, nothing, next to nothing. You can have 7,000 streams and make like... I don't know something like 14 cents or something. So for listeners, um, Audius a u d i u s. If you want to check it out, you can you can hear like amazing, super high quality music for free. Uh, it has Google Cast, so you can cast like uh, we've been playing it in my salon sometimes. You can cast to Google speakers or and things like that. And also, if you're an artist, you can sign up to it and put your music on it because as the app grows, you can serve to make um, probably a lot more off of music like that than than putting music on Spotify and Apple Music and stuff. Like like that
0: and the best thing about audius is built on the blockchain so they, you could see all the transactions so shout out to audius i actually know some yeah. people that work there so that's cool uh for me i will go with music if you like hip-hop and you are like a early 2000 to 90s baby i would recommend the verses of bone Tux, and harmony versus 36 mafia uh definitely is quite a show it reminded me of why i left why I stopped going to hip hop concerts? Because there was fights, people were <laughs> throwing stuff at each other. Uh, you know, uh, Busy Bone starts to fight with Juicy J. <laughs> it is, uh, it, it's quite entertaining. They throw money, they bring stripper. It, it's, it's <laughs> definitely quite something to see uh, if you're a hip hop fan. If you're not a hip hop fan, uh, definitely this is not going But I definitely recommend it just because it, it brings you uh, the culture of. That hip hop is was in New York, but these people, won, uh, Bone Talks, are from Cleveland and uh, 3 Six Mafia are from Tennessee. So you see how like the Southern and the Midwest kind of hip hop culture was. So uh, it was quite entertaining. So I definitely recommend that. So having that said, uh, we're going to conclude this episode. Guys, you have anything else to say? Clinton
2: Davis. Find me online if you want to talk to me.
1: I'm Cropberry and I need a nap.
2: <laughs> I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Where'd your glasses go? You took off your glasses.
1: It's because I didn't like how they were reflecting all. I've got like a screen to light me up behind my screen. And I didn't like all the reflection, even though I don't know how many people are going to see the video version. If you want to see me wearing my glasses, go to YouTube at the end of the week and watch the video version of this podcast. Oh, sorry. Also, hopefully being released Thursday, a special episode of Black in the Mirror Times that I am hosting um, with Savannah Thomas, Calcadon. And I believe special guest Clinton's wife, Sally, (laughs) is also going to come on and talk about um, some of the racism that is coming out of Pettacodiac Regional School. But more importantly, as women who have all attended school in New Brunswick, our experiences and what we think needs to change in the school system. So keep an eye on our social media for when that gets Launched. I
2: actually didn't know that, but I was going to recommend that. So <laughs> the fact that that's happening is, is, is cool.
0: What happened to Lindy where She's not coming to that one.
1: She's having a medical procedure, so I might be doing French content with her for our social medias on the same topic. I'm trying to do the most, okay, (laughs) but I still need that nap.
0: (laughs) No, no. Perfect. All right. So guys, uh, just follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, at Black in the Maritimes. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, leave a comment. Uh, rate us five stars that really helps the show uh if you like what we're doing donate us on patreon and we're gonna have another app that you will be able to donate to us uh or donate on paypal uh, so definitely stick see that around and you know uh if you liked, just uh comment or send us an email at black in the at gmail.com peace out
1: Bye.